Hello and welcome to Shaping Success, a brand new and very exciting podcast from Simply Be, all about women at the top of their game with me, Fleur East. As a singer and broadcaster, I'm inspired by women who push boundaries, women who have carved a different path to society's stereotypes, women who refuse to fit in. And I want to find out who and what shaped their journey to success. So in this podcast series, I'm joined by female icons from all walks of life to talk about their inspirations, heroes, and the moments that change them. We'll hear from some of the biggest female names and the ones you might know less about as they share their remarkable stories of determination and dedication and reveal the moments and icons that have shaped them along the way. Ultimately, our guests all have one thing in common. They're killing it. So let's meet them. In today's episode, we're joined by a sporting icon, a former Olympic and Commonwealth champion, successful broadcaster, and very recently, a Dame commander of the British Empire. Dame Denise Lewis is widely considered to be one of the golden girls of British athletics. A track and field athlete at the top of her game for years, Denise then moved into sports broadcasting and has since used her vast level of influence and experience at the highest level of sport to inspire the next generation of athletes. Welcome to Shaping Success, Dame Denise Lewis. Thanks for having me. So I cannot start talking to you without addressing this. <laughs> me and you took part in a TV show called Don't Rock the Boat in 2020 during the pandemic times. And we rode the length of Britain. We were doing hours and hours at sea, rowing dark into the deep of the night. It was all going on. And from that experience, one, I found you a huge inspiration to watch because your competitive spirit and your tenacity was just like no other. But secondly, the one thing I noticed was that competitive element just doesn't ever leave. Like as an athlete, I don't think you can ever switch off from that. So I want to find out where did this begin? As little Denise, were you always that competitive? In a nutshell, yes. And I don't know why, because I was an, I'm an only child. Yeah. So it's not like I had siblings to pit my myself against. It was just very much... I loved running. I loved running. I looked forward to PE lessons, as they were called back then. Mm. And I just liked to test myself. That feeling of, of feeling free was just something that was, I guess, innate to me. It mm. was just something I did. And um, I think the competitiveness was just born of just trying to challenge myself through my life. You know, humble beginnings, which you know, back in the 70s, mm. a single parent family, an only child. It was difficult. And I guess sport for me was just a vehicle for me to demonstrate my passion. Mm. But that passion got ignited. It got ignited by watching the Olympics, you know, those endless summer holidays that seemed to go on forever. <laughs> and, you know, timely that the Olympics were being shown on, on television. And I had some hours to fill. So I was avidly watching the sport and I was like, wow, so people can do this? Like, really? These people are just like superhuman. I, I <laughs> want to be that. I want to do that. And that was the spark that was lit. Wow. So you grew up with your mum in Wolverhampton. Did she have anything to do with you getting into sport? How None. did she inspire you? Not at all. Not at all, because my mum was so busy working and trying to keep a roof over our heads. She, I think she wanted me just to be involved in as much as I could and as much as we could afford. So mm. she took me dancing 
And she said, oh, that's probably a good thing for her to do just, to, you know, for the midweek and, and weekends. And so I, I used to do my ballet and some tap and modern dancing. And that was great. But once the athletics kicked in, mm. she was like, um, I don't really know what to do with this child. My teachers are saying that she's really sporty. I was the one who told her that there was an athletics club in Wolverhampton. Can you find that and take me there? And so I'm really grateful for her that she was just sort of shepherding me, mm. but not, she wasn't driving the ambition. She was just watching it unfold in front of her eyes as well. And I'm a parent, so I know how I helicopter parent um, <laughs> for this generation. But my mom was very much um, sort of in the dark. She didn't know what to do, but she had to trust. She had to trust that my passion was pure. She let me embark on this journey that took me overseas, mm -hmm. took me up and down the country, and that it was her little girl was going to do this because she loved it. So I'm grateful for her not holding me back. I love that. But it's quite rare to hear that. Like It was nothing that your mum got you into. There wasn't a parent that was like, right, this is what you're going to do. Or you even following in her footsteps in any way. It was just something that was within you. Absolutely. Did you know that you always wanted to be an athlete then? Or was there something else you wanted to do when you were younger? I think at some stages I must have wanted to be a dancer. Um, yeah. You know, in my teens, I thought, oh, being a PE teacher might be cool. <laughs> <laughs> and But it was always kept coming back to... The athletics, the athletics. I love the feeling. I love competing. I was not deterred on the occasions that I did lose. Mm. It happened. And I just think it was just, for me, it was about moving myself forward mm. and extending the boundaries. And it wasn't until much later into my teens where, you know, you're getting challenged, you know, you've got schools, academics, you're trying to find a sense of who you are and your purpose, it's not an easy time of your life. Mm. And I think the athletics for me was a centering point. And I desperately wanted to be better, but I was above average. There were so many other sort of junior internationals that were better than me. I was finishing fifths and fourths. I thought, wow, I wonder if I'm ever gonna make it. Wow. What kept driving you this whole time? Desire. Mm. Desire, passion, a thirst for learning. But I think when I look back, there is something that maybe I did learn from my mom, which is that tenacity and that um, level of, if you don't work for it, you're not going to have it. You're not going to get it. Mm. And I think that is definitely something that's akin to, you know, migrant workers that, who come over to Britain that are desperately trying to make a way for themselves, that was instilled in my mom from the, an early age that you've got to work hard, you've got to get, you know, get what you need from this life. And, and it was tough. And so I think that mental toughness was from her. Mm. You know, maybe my early weight sessions were going to the market with my mom. <laughs> oh, I was, yeah. I was her, like, rice. yeah, I was her wing woman, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, it was yeah. just me and her. And so we'd go to the market and we'd get shopping. And back then you'd go to the grocers. Mm. So you've got these couple of kilos of potatoes. Mm -hmm. Then they sling in a, a few kilos of, of, of <laughs> carrots and onions. So I was kind of laden as a kid, you know? So I think, you know, yeah. all of that walking and carrying bags, I was naturally advanced, mm. maybe. 
But I knew that I hated what I was doing, but I had to do it. Yeah, to do it's it. so funny you say that because my mum was born in Ghana and it was a similar thing. Like she came over to the UK and when we were kids, I do not know why. This was before you had limits on liquids in the airport. And she would fill backpacks with Listerine jumbo sized mouthwash. I'm like, mum, you can get this in the UK. <laughs> We'd have to travel on the planes with these backpacks. But it was all training. We didn't realise, but it was all training. It's all there subliminally <laughs> happening yeah. that you don't know, but you're getting your education, your different type of education from life mm-hmm. through your parents, especially, you know, the ones who are having to graft, to fit in, to survive and um, provide for families. Yeah, now talk me through how you even got into the heptathlon because when I was doing like PE lessons or like track back in the day in school, I'd be like, okay, 200 metres is my thing or I might have taken part in the relay or whatever. You have your like one thing, your one discipline that you work on and here you are doing all sorts, so many different disciplines. Did you kind of gradually get into that or did you know, all right, heptathlon is what I want to do? No, it was kind of gradual. Even though I was very much aware of sort of my male counterpart, mm. Daley Thompson, he was my idol at the time when I was a kid. And so he did decathlon, 10 events. So I knew the events. Mm. I had Judy Livermore, who became Judy Simpson. She competed. She was a Commonwealth champion. So in my area, I had people doing heptathlon, but I didn't quite put the two together. Mm, okay. But I was a very good club athlete. So on a Saturday, you'd rock up, you'd compete for your club. I wanted to be a long jumper, stroke, hurdler. But people would drop out of the shot put or they'd drop Mm. out of the javelin. And so it would be like, oh, can anyone fill in just to get the team a point? I'd be like, I'll do it. So that was kind of me. I would always sort of help out because, you know, I was very proud of my club. I wanted them to be the best. And um, I just think I discovered that I had natural ability. And my coach at the time then said to me, well, look, why don't you try heptathlon? I was like, okay. Oh, but there's 800 in that. I, I don't do that. Oh, really? I don't like 800 metres. But he said, look, give it a go. We did a little bit of preparation and training. But what I loved was the camaraderie. Mm. You know, you're there together for two days. You're learning. You know, some people are really good at one event. Some people are not so good at another but you're all in it together. Mm. And something about that really appealed to me. And so um, I didn't look back. From the moment I did heptathlon, it was pretty much heptathlon all the way, even though I competed internationally for long jump as well. But there is something magical about those seven events. And through heptathlon competitions, you learn a lot about yourself because mm. there's one thing the physical demands of the event but it's very much a mental game as well. So like I described to you, some things you're going to be really good at, you know, high jump per se. Mm. So many girls aren't very good at shot put, so they find that difficult. So you're on this emotional roller coaster of trying to manage yourself, manage your headspace and your mindset in order to get you through the seven events. And that almost becomes addictive mm. because you want to master it and you want to not be in a position where you yield and give up because some days you do feel like it and some competitions, they don't always go your way. Mm. But it could happen that one event you perform out of your skin and you deliver a maximum performance that puts you right back into the frame again. It's life. Yeah. It's well, life. I can say firsthand that you definitely do not give up. 
<laughs> and I was rowing alongside you. I was like, Denise is not, I mean, we could all just be dropping our oars in that water and Denise will still be going. Well, this TV show it. will film, finish filming <laughs> and Denise will still be there rowing past the UK <laughs> onto other lands. She'll uh, be going and going. That's the beauty of the, you know, the human endeavour. You don't know what you're capable of. And trust me, it was hard. You know, it mm. was a hard, a hard gig to do. But you guys were so good. Your red team was so good. And I was like, nah, I will not be beaten. <laughs> but then we did beat you. I don't want to no, bring it okay. up. I don't want to bring Let's it up. Let's not change it's the tone. subject. It's okay. a sore subject. But I will say that I remember when we came down for the rap party that I walked down with my gold medal on and you were like, why did you have to wear that? Just rude. Why did you have to wear that here? <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh. Your spirit though is incredible. Like I was just thinking, oh my gosh, years and years of all the achievements you've had and still even with this, you're just like, nah, not giving up, I'm not giving up. Which brings me on to the moments in your life You've had so many incredible, incredible achievements, but we want to know about the moments that have helped shape you, be who you are today. And one of the moments that most people will know you for is the 2000 Sydney Olympics when you won gold, gold in the heptathlon. Talk to me about that moment. Ah, oh, wow. I mean, it feels like I've spoken about this for so many years, but it is a defining moment mm, for me. It did change my life. And it wasn't easy, but I know I put the tools in place to give myself an opportunity to be in contention. And that may, means making choices that are not, don't go down well with everyone. So I left my former coach to move to Holland, to change my training base. And that was the setup to give me an opportunity to be able to deliver a really mm. good performance in Sydney. I was injured those nine weeks before the championships. I mean, everything I put in, all the changes I'd made, the team around me, I still got injured, you know, wow. on the, the almost the 11th hour. And I just think, what more do I need to learn? What more do I need to give? You know, I've literally, I've sacrificed so much. Mm. And here I was again with another test, a test of character. And so... You know, those nine weeks, you know, it was just like rip up the form book. The main goal is just to get walking again as quickly as possible. And that's when you kind of rely on the people around you. Those are the people that are so selfless because at the end of the day, it was my ambition mm. and they just wanted to scaffold me in order to do it. And so I owe that moment so much to my team, the physios, the doctors, friends, family, but also my mind mm. my mind had to stay focused on the task in hand and not allow myself to think about the outcome yeah and I think that was really important and so for Sydney for me was the two days of competition doing what I needed to do but always in the back of your mind thinking well if I'm going to go down I can say I've given everything mm. but I wasn't going to go down <laughs> I love that if I I'm going to go down but I'm not I'm, I'm not, not going to go it's down. not going to happen despite challenges. And so to to wear that medal, it was a beautiful moment. Oh. It was so soul enriching, kaleidoscope of emotions really, because you don't get to points in your life that are significant without people and people helping you. Mm. As much as we hear about, you know, the negativity in the world, you know, there are some really good people out there and I've had a lot of good people around me. And so I'm very blessed and fortunate about that and, and for that. 
But that for me was just the launch pad for the next phase. It was almost, um, it was comforting for me. I didn't have much as a kit mm. and I really wanted to make my mark and I didn't know where it was going to happen. And so to have and achieve that gold medal was almost like um, a big hug inside. It was just like a validation for myself that, you know, you thought you could do something and you, you've done it. Where is the medal now? Where do you keep it? I'm not telling you that blur. Ah, oh, Denise. Come on, you don't need to know everything. <laughs> Where is it? Is it in the hallway? Yeah. <laughs> in the in fact, it's, it's in my bag. <laughs> you carry it with you everywhere. Yeah. I bring it out on significant occasions. Kids, get upstairs. Do you know who I am? Yeah, just remember. Just remember. Just remember who I am. Do you I know am. what? Speaking of, I snooped on your Instagram. <laughs> and you were doing these hurdle drills, right? With your son, who's 17. Yes. You were absolutely killing it. And then your son tried and it was like the struggle was so real. Do you have that element where you kind of like just need to show them every now and then like you need to know who your mum is? I just like sometimes you just need to know. <laughs> you just need to know. I'm not just about, you know, wiping your nappies, providing you food and stuff <laughs> and running you here, there and everywhere, <sighs> lecturing you about not doing your homework. I got skills. Yeah. I got skills got in my skills. back pocket. And no, joking aside, I mean, I love training with my kids because it is, it's an opportunity for them to see that I was dedicated. Mm. You know, it just didn't happen yeah. by accident. I didn't fall into it. You know, you've got to train your ass off. You've got to work hard. And repeating good habits is important. Mm. So that was my message to my son, really, that repetition of good habits brings results. And, you know, I set these hurdles up and he was like, yeah, I can do that. Because he's towers over me. Yeah. He's like six foot three. These are like diddy hurdles by comparison to his height. He should have been able to do it. Mm. But coordination and obviously years of doing stuff, even though I'm 50 people. I mean, um, how? Anyway, that's a whole other interview. But I want to show, <laughs> show them that, you know, despite your age, if you look after yourself, you keep your coordination and all your... All the skills that I've acquired over the years, you can still rock up and do those things. And I know he was like, my mom's got it. Yeah. She's got it still. I love that. Like not many people can say my mom is like an Olympic athlete. She's won gold. Like she's a dame. I mean, that's pretty cool. It is cool. <laughs> it is cool. It's amazing. Like what about the moments that happened behind the scenes that maybe nobody knows about that helped make you who you are. So let's start with a positive moment that you think helped shape you that maybe we never saw. Okay, now this, I had to think about this because I spoke to you about, you know, in my teens and those four, those years where you're kind of searching for your identity. Mm -hmm. And I remember listening to Whitney Houston. Hmm, yeah. Music is a big part of my life. Not as big as yours, but it's a big part of mine. <laughs> yeah. And the 1988 Olympics were in Seoul. Whitney released this track called One Moment in Time. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like it spoke to my inner core, the lyrics in that song. You know, that one moment in time when you're racing with destiny. Yeah. You know, and in that moment in time, I will feel eternity. And... Yeah. I'd listen to this over and over again. And she released that song on my birthday, uh, August the 27th. That was released 
I mean, it's like, whoa. And I didn't know it at the time, but it, it really shaped my, I think my thinking that you have just got to stick at it. Mm. You've got to stick at it. Don't give up. You're going to get tested, but you're living for that moment. That moment that, that did one come. moment in time. That did come. Mm. That really did come. Oh, who knew? Whitney Houston. And twice. Ah. Twice in my career where it just, you know, it's almost like an epiphany, an, an unlocking of a, a sensation. Mm. So that was probably at my 16, around 16. And then the night before my Sydney Olympics, mm -hmm. I listened to another track and she duetted with uh, Mariah Carey mm -hmm. um, for the soundtrack to Prince of Thieves. And that song also, I played on repeat. There can be miracles. There can be miracles. When you, you believe. Know, when you believe. And I, because you know the journey, the injuries, you know, I just needed to keep believing that I could hold it together for those two days. And so that was a, a sort of, these have been career defining moments mm. for me at both ends of the spectrum. You know, I was a big fan of Whitney anyway. Glamour, that voice, incredible. Yeah. Um, how she transcended, you know, pl her platform in so many ways. But those two tracks for me really shaped my life. That's so interesting that it wasn't like an event or something that happened in particular to you. It was song. Song. I love that. I love that so much. Yeah. So was... powerful. Because each time you listen to them now, you must get, does it like trigger all the emotions again? Completely. You're like, <gasps> tingly. I'm back to Sydney. <gasps> I'm there. <laughs> I grip onto something just to hold on, you know? And it, it is, it is that moment where you just go, wow, you did it. Wow. You did it. What a feeling. I mean, I can't even imagine. I'm just trying to like live through you. Like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, you made it. I think we all have those moments though in our life. If we stop and think about it, there, there was defining moments. There's moments where you questioned yourself mm. and something happens just to go, you know what? I'll be all right. Yeah. I'm going to be all right. It just switches in your mind. Mm -hmm. and you just push through. Mm. What about a moment that wasn't as positive? Mm. Maybe a negative moment that happened that hmm. still kind of, you know, built your character and helped you succeed. Wow. I mean, again, there could be, I could name so many <laughs> yeah. because, you know, I, I think people do see a lot of the joy and the accolades and things that happen. Mm. Um, but I'm going to use this one and bear with me because it's two people I've already spoken about and one's my mom, mm -hmm. how important she is. And for all the good things that she has done, I, I've seen how hard she had to work, you know, two jobs. I hardly saw her to a lot of my teens because she was working so hard. I'd get glimpses of her, mm -mm. but only as she was passing from one job to another, showering, grabbing a bit of food and then going out the door again. Wow. And she didn't have the opportunity, I think, to develop herself. And so that's the negative for me. Mm. And so I try to make the most of the opportunities that come my way in all its guises. That you should never take anything for granted. And the position that both you and I have, mm. you know, is a privilege but it's about opportunity and not passing them by and utilising them. And so you pass that inspiration back on. How do you think that shaped you now as a mother? 
having realized that as um, a negative? Yeah, I'm present. I'm probably, if my kids were sitting here, they'll say, you're too involved. <laughs> you <laughs> just need to mind your, mind your business. <laughs> you know, just stop checking. What are you doing? Where are you going? What's happening? You know, it'd be probably too much. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe there's it. some learning there. Just let them go. They'll be fine. They'll get their way. Their way. Yeah. And so I think as a parent now, I try to be, I, in fact, I am engaged. I'm an engaged parent. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm a parent first. I'm a working mom after that. And it, you know, I take the parenting role very seriously. I've got a lot of children. Mm-hmm. You've got four. Oh, four. Four children. How does that even happen? I don't know how. You tell me how I that happened. I don't know how it happened. How did you do all this? This is not my master plan. So Did I you ever this... see that in the future when you were, because you sacrificed so much to become this amazing athlete, world class. Did you ever think you were going to have four children? Mm-mm. No, you never did. No, no. some women, I'm going to get married and I'd like to have two or three children. I was like, no, that's not really, didn't really think about those things. <laughs> and then obviously they, one, two, three, and then my little man came at 46. Yeah. Um, maybe I needed to read, you know, the birds and the bees a bit better. <laughs> but, um, but no, I adore my children. I love babies. I'll be honest. I love, love my babies. Aww. I do. When did it change then? When did it shift? When did you have that moment where you were like, actually, I want to start a family? Like, <laughs> I didn't expect this, but here I am. I think obviously after my daughter was born, it was yeah. like, okay. It's not so bad. This body can do both things. Yeah. You know, it can run and be a high performing athlete and it can be soft and cuddly and it can grow in different ways and that still be equally beautiful. And I think, I think there's a little bit of fear as an athlete when your body is your, your workspace, Mm. it's your tool that you wonder what's on the other side once you have a family. Yeah. Will you be the same? And of course you're the same. There's a lot of self-sacrificing that goes along, but ultimately you're producing new individuals into the world. And as much as you think they may not be like you, there's something somewhere that is there, it's your DNA. And so I've just embraced motherhood in ways that I didn't really anticipate. Mm. It's not, as I said, it wasn't that I'm the, I don't know, archetypal mom but I do my best yeah and I think I have a lot of good life skills and messaging to impart and so I try to do that and then somewhere those seeds will plant even though I'm in the phase of having very very annoying teenagers (laughs) that just want to do the opposite do you think you've produced like the next big athlete can you see (laughs) in your children any signs of that no not at all Children have got to own their own sporting yes. prowess. You know, I think there's um, it's a fallacy to think that just because you have a sporty parent, you're going to produce mm. sporty champions of the future. My kids have got the skill sets. They've got the the DNA. They, they're quick. They're strong. But it's so much more than the physical. Mm-hmm. Being a top level performer is really about your mental fortitude. And... I'm not sure. Yeah. (laughs) You're like, "Mm." we're working on that part. But, you know, there's still a little diddy one to go. And, um, (laughs) you know, my my 14-year-old, you know, he loves sports. They all love sport. They watch, they play, but it's whether you want to take it to the next level. Mm. And they might not want to do that. 
but you'll leave that up to them. Definitely. I'm I'm very good like that. I don't pressure them. As I said, my bag is about making the most of your opportunities. They're in a privileged position. There are a lot of kids that don't have that parental support, unfortunately, for whatever reason. They don't find themselves with parents that can do that for them. Mm. You know, mine do. They've got you know, two parents, you know, a network of friends and, and family that are there to scaffold and help. They just have to want to run with it. And if they don't, then fine. But do something. Mm. Do something. They'll definitely have that ambition anyway. I mean, if you've shared even 1% of the ambition that you have. It'll be there somewhere. <laughs> It'll be there. Yeah. And, you know, like well, like I found in life, you've just got to be patient with mm -hmm. things. Things do happen if you have that consistency and the patience. And I have to be very patient. We wait for the A-level results. And we strum. <laughs> I love we it. strum away. Yeah. You mentioned earlier that you wouldn't be as successful as you are without the people in your life that have also helped shape you. You mentioned your mum shepherding you along the way, your team that was scaffolding you when you were going through that tough time of injury. What person comes to mind when you think of someone in your personal life, someone you knew that has been instrumental in shaping who you are? I think my coach, I spent a lot of hours on the track with my coach. He got into my head, you know, mm. in a very, very good way, in a positive way. You know, I was, I was a good athlete, but I needed to learn to be, I guess, anti-fragile, you know, that, you know, things would just bounce off me. If something happened, I'm just gonna, pff, mm. it's, it's okay proceed and and he really taught me a lot about you know setbacks and seeing things visualizing problems or issues or situations that you may find yourself in and how to get out of them mm. and actually that's a life skill yeah it really is a life skill and so he helped shaped me and I, although I was what mid-twenties when I met him, those philosophies live within me. Mm. They live within me. People have rocky, rocky times, you know, in your life and it will come. It's not about, you know, if, it's when. Yeah, that's so true. It's when is it going to happen. And so you've got to equip yourself with as much tools as you possibly can and it is not easy. And seek help when you need it. Mm. But ultimately... You've got to be your own life coach. You've got to find it. Mm. And I think that's the person who I am. You know, I've, I've learned to be my own life coach. And that's a good thing. Wow. What about outside of your personal circle? Who were you looking up to? Who did you admire that helped you go for your dreams and focus on your goals? Oh, there's never any one person, Fleur. Mm. I really believe that. It's, you know, it's not one person that gets you by the scruff of the neck. There are stepping stones, yeah. people I called it, that are signposting you all through your life. So it'd be, it'd be sort of wrong for me to, to say it was one person. I yeah. took inspiration from watching fellow athletes. Um, Post-athletic career, you know, people like Baroness Sue Campbell, who, mm -hmm. you know, she has been phenomenal for women's sport. You know, she worked for the Youth Sports Trust. She worked at UK Sport. Um, she's at Women's FA now. She's just a trailblazer. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's almost like a schooling for you that, you know, I've come through a period in, in sport where 
it was very amateur and I was at the crossover where it started to turn to professional. And, you know, people like Sue have seen both sides of the coin mm. with, you know, very fallow times in women's sport. And now we're entering a phase where things are getting much, much better. But it's the teaching of how you inspire others and how you bring young people, particularly women, mm. up through sport. And it's a great vehicle to be part of, whether you're participating or whether you're in administration or coaching. She's been, you know, someone that I can, I can say as a, as a role model to me. Mm. What was the moment that you realised that you could do this professionally? Like you looked at sport, you've always been passionate about it. You trained. What was the moment that you went, I can actually, like this can be my job. I can be a professional at this. <laughs> I guess not until I, I won a global medal, to be honest. Really? Yeah. No. I, was, I was just turning 21. <laughs> just turning 21. And, you know, I was I was a regular teen. I like to think I was a regular teen, but just knew my boundaries. Because, mm. you know, A, my mom instilled them in me. That, you know, don't hang your hat where you can't catch it and you can't reach it. You know, those type of messaging. <laughs> These fabulous sayings that come from the Caribbean. Love it's just it. like, so in a nutshell, do you know, Aim high, but just high enough where you can actually be safe. Yeah, so okay. I always knew my boundaries. And I think at 21, when I went to those Commonwealth Games in 1994, I was a rank outsider. But winning the gold medal there for me was like, wow, you can still be really rubbish like that and win. <laughs> you know, you haven't done anything. No real nutrition. Didn't have a regular physio. Didn't, you know, I just wasn't doing everything right. But I pulled it out the bag. And I was like, whoa, okay. Wow. Why is game on? I think what I'm learning from you, from talking to you, is that all of it stems from your mental attitude. Because like you say there, you've had, you had a period of injury and then you win a gold medal. You just said that you didn't even like train to your maximum or even... <laughs> you know, put as much as you could have, let's say, into your nutrition. And then again, you're winning. I think that's all got to do with your your mental attitude, for sure. It's got to be. Yeah, I think so. It's got to be. Because on yeah. paper, yeah. I'd be yeah. like, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. surely you're doing all this. You're training every hour of the day. You're doing this. And you're like, well, no, I got there and thought, I didn't do all this. Yeah, well, it's very much that. And like I said to you at the beginning, Flo, I... Looking back, obviously as a child, you can't see these things. It's not clear mm. you're doing it. But looking back with my, my midlife eyes, I think I think what I do see is that there was must have been a little girl that was desperate to be seen. Mm. I think that it must be that. It must be that I wanted to be seen. I wanted to be better than the cards I'd been dealt. Yeah. I think that's definitely got a huge part to play because like you said, you grew up in a single parent family, you know, you didn't have anything handed to you and this all came from within you. So that has got to be the reason why you were so hungry and so determined. You're just like, no, nah, I need to make a, make a name for myself. Something. I mean, again, you know, you enter into particularly athletics for the purity of it. You know, you're mm. an Olympian for the purity of it. You don't get paid to be an Olympian. And so it's the valor, it's the honor, it's really good core values. And I think um, my autobiography is called Personal Best. Mm -hmm. And I think that is something that I've always strived to be and do my personal best in, in whatever I do. And if actually it's not good enough, then so be it. 
But I like to think that I've brought my authentic self to everything that I do, even the rowing. Yes. Like, you know, I want to get <laughs> stuck in. I want to have a go. I want to do my best. And um, yeah, may that long continue. You've done so much in your life. I mean, you're a dame now. You've won medals. You've got so many accolades. You've done so much in TV. You've rode the length of Britain. You've done Strictly Come Dancing. What else do you want to do? I want to rest. <laughs> but you're not going to rest. I want to rest. You heard me. I've got four children. I'm tired. I'm actually tired. Yeah, I, wear I, the mask. If somebody, I wear the mask. If somebody presented you with a challenge, I know that that athlete just will never leave you and <laughs> you'll want to rise to the challenge, I'm sure. Is there nothing on your list of like life goals that you still want to tick off? There's got to be something. Not challenges as such, but... Mm. Um, you know, there's places I'd like to see and visit and do, you know, I'd like to walk the Great Wall of China. Mm -hmm. There's still places I'd like to do. I don't know that I'd want to do Kili. Kilimanjaro, you've done that, haven't you? No, you like oh that? no. I'm surprised you haven't done that. See, that'll be the one. <laughs> that'll be the next challenge. You're like, mm. So, Fleur, where are you? Denise, where are you? I'm, I'm up Kilimanjaro. <laughs> I don't know. There'll be something at some point, I'm sure. I just think it's always good to challenge yourself. Mm. You know, that can-do spirit won't leave me. And I want to get it in before, you know, the knees pack up and, you know, things start to hurt. <laughs> You've got to maximise your time. And so that's my philosophy. But yeah, a, a bit of a rest first would be good. I'm taking the wise words in. Before your knees pack in, Yeah, take every opportunity. Those are the words that I'm taking from this chat today. The words of a champion. <laughs> when I start to feel like the creak <laughs> in my knees, I go, oh, Denise said, I'm going to go for a run right now. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me today. This has been an incredible and enriching conversation. I'm so glad I got to do this. Thanks, Flo. Anytime. Thanks for listening to Shaping Success, a Simply Be podcast. If you like what you've heard, please give us a follow and a rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to your podcasts. Shaping Success is a Folding Pocket production.